Hi, welcome to today's episode where I'm carrying on in the case for healing. In today's episode, I'm going to go over all of the scriptures that talk about doctors or physicians in the Bible. But before I do that, I just want to talk a little bit about the idea of casting down imaginations, the idea of the spiritual realm, taking thoughts captive. I want to talk about the idea of an interjection. So this is that voice that sometimes you might hear in the back of your head. Uh, one example that I, I think is a good, easy one that I've heard before is if you're sitting down at the dinner table, you know, maybe you're an adult at this point and somewhere you hear, you know, your mom's voice or somebody's voice in the back of your head just yelling, hey, eat all the food on your plate, you know, because your parents yelled that at you growing up. And so that was just kind of ingrained in your head. And now every time you go to grab a plate of food, maybe you hear that voice that just says, hey, eat all the food on your plate. And then next thing you know, some people are suffering from obesity because there's this voice in the back of their head that forces them to eat more than they really need just so they don't feel guilty about having some extra food on their plate. That voice does not always come from God. A lot of times it doesn't come from God. And I want to talk about that kind of voice that jumps into our head for just a little bit, and then we'll go into the scriptures about the word doctors. So that voice, that interjection idea, where's that coming from? What happens if I believe it? Well, I just gave an example. If I've got this one that says, finish all the food on your plate, and everywhere I go, they're just putting way too much food on my plate, and I'm just eating a bunch to not feel guilty or whatever, well, next thing I know, I might be getting overweight. I might be having problems. I need to make sure that whatever voice I'm following is the voice of God. So what about this idea where maybe I've been taught that a variety of foods are either good for me or a variety of foods are bad for me? Oh, hey, if you consume too much of this one thing, it's bad for you. You'll end up with such and such a result. You know, you can just insert whatever negative result there, some sort of sickness, some sort of disease. Oh, you get heart problems if you eat too much of this thing or the other thing. Well, who's telling me that? Where's that voice coming from? You know, I was raised to believe, hey, if you eat too much of a certain way, you could end up with heart problems. But who's telling me that? So now every time I go out and I want to have a bite of something, what happens if I'm hearing a voice that's condemning me saying, hey, every bite you take, you're closer to a heart attack. Every bite you take, you're closer to heart problems. What if it's possible that by me having that voice in my head and embracing it as true is actually me being disconnected from God in an area because now instead of embracing the voice that says the way, the truth, the life, you know, that's who Christ is for us. He's my healer. He's my savior of my body. He protects me. That's the voice I need to have in my mind and be believing and living from. That same voice may actually guide me in food things but he's not going to condemn me. I want to make sure I don't have any of those interjections that aren't from God. Because what happens is every time I take a bite, there's just this thing where I begin to focus on a negative reality. Maybe I focus more and more on heart disease, heart problems, heart problems, because I'm, I've been told that's what I should have. Hey, you eat too many hamburgers, you know, heart problems, heart problems. Well, says who? Says a bunch of men who heard that from a man 
who heard that from a friend, you know, who heard it from some guy at a research institution, you know where they didn't hear it from? The Holy Spirit, God, the one that created the human body and how it works and how it eats. So humans hear this rule, they hand it to other humans as though it was gospel truth. Other people potentially abandon ship on the actual gospel and fall for one of these messages. And now they walk around with this belief system in the back of their mind that says, hey, if I engage in that particular behavior, it's going to be bad for me. And it's not that the actual behavior itself is uh, bad for them, you know, hey, consuming this particular food. It's that they have a belief system where they become condemned every single time they try to eat it. And that condemnation very well may be the actual thing that ends up leading them to sickness and disease. I'm not saying this is the case every time for all sickness and disease, but this is at least one trick of the enemy that you want to be careful for. You don't want to fall for a belief system that makes it easier for you to get sick and diseased off of basic human actions such as eating. Instead, what I believe is when you tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit and you let that be the voice, hey, there's life, there's health, there's healing. When I lay hands on the sick, the sick recover. I don't catch their sickness, they catch my health. Health is more contagious than sickness. Why not? I believe we walk with that mindset, that mentality. And as we flow from that voice, that voice may also guide us in our eating habits. It's possible. But I think what we want to watch out for is the knowledge of good and evil, where it's too easy to try to replace, replace the Holy Spirit with a set of good rules oh, hey, here's the proper good rules for how I need to eat because some guy went to college and that's what he said so. Well, wait a second. I've got the Holy Spirit himself to be my guide. I don't need to hear it, you know, seventh hand from a guy that went to a college who learned it from a book, who learned it from a teacher, who learned it from some other guy that two generations ago did some research on a project once that may or may not have been that good of a, a research project. I don't need that. I've got the Holy Spirit himself to guide me. I tune into that voice. I tune into the voice of health and healing and life. You know, sometimes people have this idea that, hey, maybe I caused my own problem through my behavior. Well, guess what? All you got to do is come back to God for salvation and he will save you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. But he will heal your body now and help guide you into truth. If somehow it happens to be an eating habit that brought about a negative health situation, you go to God, he'll give you the healing and then he'll help free you from whatever eating habit may be perceived as negative. We let the Holy Spirit be your guide on that one. If you hear sickness and disease knocking at the door of your mind, beware of that. You know, sometimes I've heard of people who are like, oh man, I just knew it. I knew it. I knew I was going to, I knew I had this sickness or whatever. And in reality, if you know them well enough and long enough, what you'll realize is it's been knocking at the door of their mind for a period of time, trying to get them to embrace it. I mean, think of it as like a salesman that shows up at your door that you don't want there, but it's a salesman in the mind. It's spiritual. It's a demonic thing showing up, knocking on the door sometimes. Not all, it's not, this isn't always the case, but beware when it is. 
Maybe it's knocking on the door and saying, oh, cancer, cancer, you know, some sort of sickness and disease. And you got to realize that's not from God. That's a spiritual thing knocking on the door, trying to get you to open up and say, come on in and perhaps even embrace it. You don't have to. You have the right to speak to it and command it to go away. You can slam the door just like a salesman that you don't want at your door. And I apologize to anybody out there who happened to be door-to-door salesmen. I did that for a period of time in my life. And I actually had a period where I think I spent six months and had every single door except for one slammed in my face. Not an easy job. But my encouragement is if you ever hear the voice of sickness trying to show up in your head and somehow invite you into a lifestyle of sickness, you reject that. You change the channel in your head. You tune into the Holy Spirit channel where it's nothing but life and health and healing, abundant life, especially abundant salvation for those who are saved. All right, let's switch gears and go to the scriptures with the word doctor or physician, something to that effect. Genesis chapter 50, verse 2. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. So this is the first time that I've been able to find the mention of the word physician. I will say it's it's possible there may be more scriptures out here that I haven't been able to find. I used a bit of software to run all the searches I could for words related to doctors and physicians. Uh, So if I missed a scripture somehow, feel free to send it to me in a note or an email or something. That way I can potentially add it to another episode. Right here, Genesis chapter 50. So we've gone 50... 50 chapters of Genesis. We're a little ways into the human race at this point. And this is the first mention of physicians. And we don't see them doing any medicine per se. We see them embalming a dead guy. So that's what they do. Here so far, I'm not saying what else physicians do, but the only thing we can see in scripture right now that they're doing is embalming a dead guy. The next example is in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 12. This story I shared previously, but this says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asia was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asia slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. So here we actually see scripture kind of make a division between the Lord and physicians. We do see that there was somebody that was going, had a disease, and so they sought physicians for help. So there must have been something in Asia's mind that said, hey, if I have a sickness, I go to the physician. Yet we see here that that, he died. And the scripture makes it clear that he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. So we just see the the very first scripture where somebody's pursuing healing in regard to a physician. The scripture really kind of sorts this out. Hey, here's God over here. Here's physicians over there. Uh, God would have worked. We don't see that per se mentioned in this verse, but we know that. But there's physicians over there where this guy in fact went and he died. 
The next mention of physicians is in the book of Job, chapter 13, verse 4. This is where Job's having a conversation with his friends. And Job says, As for you, you whitewash with lies. Worthless physicians are you all. I'm not going to dig too much into this verse. Uh, the only thing I will point out is Job seemed to at least believe there was such a thing as a worthless physician. He doesn't mention a worthwhile one. Of course, it's very possible in this circumstance. He's just thinking, hey, in theory, a physician would be somebody who was supposed to help, but there's no help being had here. This just seems worthless. And he may just be using that metaphorically to refer to his friends. Next, we see in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. This is a section where Jeremiah is grieving for his people. And he says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? I don't know Jeremiah's exact intent when he stated this, so I'm going to pick this apart from a couple different directions. One, if Jeremiah was saying, is there no physician there? He could have been rhetorically speaking, saying, hey, you got a whole pile of doctors, but why has the health of the people not been restored? That's one way to think about that. Um, contrary to that, maybe he's saying, hey, there isn't a physician there. Do they need one? But I would still argue this. If somehow this verse was implying that, which I don't think it is, I think that's quite a stretch. But if somehow it was implying that, or if someone was to argue that, I would still argue that this physician that Jeremiah is referring to would not be what we have today. It would not have been what Hippocrates built upon the foreign gods, which I'm going to do a series on that sometime soon. Uh, but it would not have been those. This is a prophet of God, and if he's saying, hey, where's a, where's a healer for my people? Surely it would have been a healer sent from God. But I think it's far more likely that if you look at the previous verse where it just says, hey, for the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded, it's possible Jeremiah was just talking prophetically. You know, hey, hey, the nation has strayed from me. They need healing. They need to come back to me. And he may be using that context of balm and Gil the balm of Gilead and physician there in more of a metaphorical context of, hey, we need somebody to try to speak life and actually bring the people back to being restored. But there is a very big likelihood that in Jeremiah's mind, when he used the word physician, he would not be thinking about what you and I think about today. So those four verses were it for the Old Testament. That's all I could find for doctors and physicians in the Old Testament. So let's go over to the New Testament. We're going to skip to Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. I'm going to start at verse 10 so we can read this in context. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. 
for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I have heard it argued that this verse is Jesus basically giving a, a, a green light of approval to physicians, saying, hey, those who are sick need a physician. But a couple of things I want to point out here. One, Jesus is using this metaphorically, and he's talking to the Pharisees rebuking them. He's not literally giving somebody advice about getting physical healing. The second thing I'd like to point out is Jesus did not actually send anybody to a physician. He actually took a physician out of the medical world and taught him how to heal like Jesus. You never see Jesus sending the multitudes over to Luke to get a doctor played on them. Instead, Jesus actually heals them and teaches Luke how to heal them. So we never actually see Jesus equipping us with physicians. That's not a Christian concept. What we see Jesus doing is equipping Christians to heal the sick. But he doesn't actually ever seem to give a green light for, hey, Christians, go find a physician. Believing that Jesus is sending us to somebody else to practice their art on us when he himself is our healer is believing that Jesus is sending us away from him to go find help from someone else, yet he's the one that has that salvation for us. If anything, he should be sending somebody who can help us draw near to him, not to try to replace him. Going to Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it's a repeat of the same verse that we just read in Matthew 9, where Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Going to Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 25 and 26. There was a woman who had had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So here's an example of somebody going to physicians and we don't see them getting the healing. We see them suffering and going broke. They get to spend all their money to suffer from people that can't heal them. Until one day she encounters Jesus. And all it costs her is her faith. Just believe that he can do it and go and take it. She didn't have to pay Jesus money. She didn't have to suffer from Jesus. She received healing from Jesus. This is a great story of encouragement if you're somebody who's been suffering from a condition for a long time. Because, I mean, this woman, 12 years... She went to doctors. She suffered. I know that's been some people's stories where they've just gone to doctor after doctor and spent tons and tons of money and they're no better, but they have huge medical bills to pay for doctors that couldn't do anything except take their money. There's definitely part of me that feels like there shouldn't be payment unless there's successful results, but I know that would probably be an unpopular opinion and I don't know that I entirely believe that. But I mean, I look at this, 12 years, she's gone broke and all she's done is suffer and she had to pay money for that suffering. That's messed up. God's more loving than that. He doesn't make his children do that. They come and encounter Jesus and they receive their healing. That's what we see in this story. All right, let's go to Luke chapter two, verse 46. So this verse is not always translated doctors. I'm going to read it right now from the ESV. It says, After three days they found him in the temple, that's Jesus, 
sitting among the teachers. Some versions translate this doctors or doctor of law, but I think it's more often translated teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So here it's, it's I think, more appropriately translated teachers because Jesus wasn't necessarily sitting in the temple schooling the medical doctors, at least as far as we know. Uh, the more common translation is teachers. So let's go ahead and skip to the next verse, which is Luke chapter 4, verse 23. This is Jesus talking to the people. Verse 23, And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So here Jesus is just using this as, you know, he's, he's talking to the people um, who are going to say, hey, physician, heal yourself. And we see that on the cross where they're like, hey, he healed others. Can he not help himself right now? Notice a couple of things. One, I don't know if they're necessarily equating Jesus to a physician of the world. Maybe, but I would say doubtful because Jesus actually was really good at healing people. You know, and so I think of all the people we could rightfully call physician, it'd be the, the great physician. It'd be Jesus, the one that actually heals mankind. I mean, who else could we rightfully call physician except for the, the God who brings us our health and our healing? Just a random side thought. If the Lord is our healer, if Jehovah Rapha is who he is for me, if he is Jesus, my healer, my savior of my body, and I'm going to somebody else for salvation of my body, is, is that unfaithfulness or idolatry or double-mindedness perhaps? I don't know. Maybe something good to consider and explore with the Lord. I'm going to carry on in some verses here. We're going to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I do want to point out really quick in that last verse, 423, we don't see Jesus, you know, telling people, hey, go out to physicians and find your healing there. Still to this point, we've only seen him commission the disciples with healing. All right, chapter 5, verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers or doctors of the law were there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So here the word is sometimes translated doctors or doctors of the law, sometimes teachers of the law, which I think is more appropriate. Uh, doctors of the law, I just think that's me, a Juris Doctorate. That, that's a lawyer. But here we are not teaching physicians. We're not teaching go to modern medicine. We're not teaching that kind of thing. We don't see that in Scripture. In Luke chapter 5, verse 31, we just see another repeat of that story where Jesus says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And again, Jesus is not handing them a third-party physician. He's giving them himself. In Luke chapter 8, verse 43, we have the woman with the issue of blood story again. And it just says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. 
She came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She got healed when she came to Jesus, but just suffered and went broke at the hands of physicians. In Acts chapter 5, verse 34, this is again where it's more appropriately translated teacher, and it's translated, I think, in many of the versions as teacher, but sometimes doctor. And I'll just read it really quick in case your version happens to say doctor. But it says, But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher or doctor of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So here this is not a, a medical type of doctor. This is a teacher of the law or perhaps a lawyer. And finally, in Colossians 4, 14, says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. So this is just Luke, the beloved physician. It's Luke saying, hey, this is who I am. Luke is still identifying himself as a physician. I don't know that that means he's practicing, just like Matthew the tax collector was kind of known as Matthew the tax collector for a while. I don't know if I'd want to still sign that on my resume or my signature after getting a new life from Jesus. But here's Luke, who got equipped with Jesus to heal the sick. We never see another mention of Luke practicing medicine. We see him practicing godliness from that point on. So think with me on this. We've got at least 6,000 plus years of history. We look in our Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We have a total of like 14 mentions of the word doctor or physician three or four of which are, you know, there's a number of which are doubles. So it's like eight to nine separate times. And never is it mentioned where the physician themselves is actually bringing healing. We don't see any example of that from Genesis to Revelation. We never see an example of a doctor actually healing someone. That idea is unbiblical. And yet there's tons of scripture that talks about healing for the human body. So I guess the question we have to ask is, is it possible God didn't know how it worked and we had to create a whole system? Or is it that we completely missed sight of God and built a whole system around the fact that we missed sight of God and what he was trying to teach us? How is it that the human race made it as far as we did today without this system in place? People try to tell us that we're having better lifespans with modern medicine. Yet, at the beginning, people lived to like a thousand years old almost. And then 120 was a normal. We don't see a lot of that in our day. Sometimes, but people really aren't living longer. If you look at from when the humans were created until now, we're actually living a lot less overall. Medicine is not giving us life. It's distracting us from it. Life comes through Christ himself. I genuinely cannot believe that God forgot to teach us how to take care of the bodies that he gave us. He gave us instruction on the spirit, on the soul, and on the body. And he himself is the savior of our spirit, our soul, and our body. I want to think of a few questions you know, as we looked up all those references to doctors, did we ever see one where God sent them? 
We never saw, hey, God has sent me here to bring some healing. We didn't see that in any of those. Did we ever see God send them to practice what we know as medicine? Never. I mean, we already saw that they weren't sent and there was no commissioning to practice medicine. We don't see that in scripture. Did they succeed in what they sought to do? Well, the only time that we see physicians mentioned with you know any sort of results is it was people that suffered. It was the woman that suffered. There was no healing for her. She had to come to Jesus to get healing because the medical practitioners could not succeed at what they were trying. They were just able to take her money. So in all of Bible history, there's never a mention of God creating a system of physicians for the healing of humans. At least nothing like modern day physicians. Does that not seem odd that God would create the human race and let us live for thousands and thousands and thousands of years old without mention of healing of our body? There is tons of mention. It just doesn't work the way we attempt it today. In the Bible, if you wanted healing, you get it from God. Maybe you find the man of God. You get prayed over by the prophet to bring life to you. Maybe the priest. They were not trained in the art of medicine. They were trained in the art of relationship with God and faith. I do want to bring up one potential... I think it's propaganda, truthfully. Uh, but there's this idea that, oh, we have better technology now, so we have better health. Did you know that humans were actually not created to function from machines? Technology is not what gives us life. Computers are not what give us life. They, they do a lot of functional things within our lives, but they do not produce within us life and healing and health. Surely you've seen the movie, The Matrix. We were not designed to be hooked up to little, you know, computer systems and machines. We are designed to have life coming to us, and it comes from God himself. God has existed far longer than the machines that humans have created. We have not somehow invented a machine that can outdo God's ability to give us life. I mean, remember back in the day, Genesis era, people lived 900 plus years there was one guy that was almost a thousand years. There is no machine in existence that I am aware of that is going to help you live to a thousand years old. What machine can genuinely restore a lost limb or missing organs and perform creative miracles on your body? There's not a machine for that. The best they can do is try to find workarounds while leaving you broke and hopefully find a machine to help you. But technology is not your health. It's not your God. God is your God, and He is your source of health. And I still find it interesting, that story with Asia, the king of Judah, where he went to the doctors and not God. And it specifically says he did not pursue God, but pursued the physicians and therefore he died. Well, what happened? What would have happened if he had pursued both God and the physicians? I don't know, and we'll never know. But what we know is we know the physicians weren't enough to bring him healing. I hope this episode has been an encouragement for you.
and hopefully not too challenging. But this idea of doctors, why has it been so indoctrinated into us our entire lives? Since the time we were a kid, it's just we've been indoctrinated into this thing. It's propaganda. It's in cartoons. It's in coloring books. It's in everything. Go to the doctor for this. Go to the doctor for that. Go to the doctor for this and that and that and that. Oh, the doctors, they're so good. They're here to save you. Many of them are so egotistical, they think they're God. And literally, they've even put in some of their Hippocratic Oath most recently that they can take patients' lives into their hands now. They're playing the role of God. You get to choose which God you want to follow. I would encourage you to follow Jesus Christ. If you're going to put your life in the hands of a man, pick the man that is himself life. I want to think a little bit over the course of a timeline here. And I'm not saying this is exactly what's happening, but it's an interesting thought. So we've got doctors and this propaganda from the time our kids are young. We're just taught, hey, boom, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Start putting your faith in the system of modern medicine. That's what we're teaching our kids. We're not teaching them put your faith in God. We're teaching them put your faith in man when it comes to your body, even though man didn't create the body, God did. But we're teaching them that from a young age. Well, think about this. Medical issues, whether it be malpractice or accidents or whatever, oh, oh, you know, accidental prescription that was incorrect but accurate prescription, you know, all kind of things like this, it kills people. It's a huge killer of people. I don't know the exact statistics, but I know people are always arguing, oh, it's in the top three, top one, top five. It's just about always in the top 10 killers in the country, if not the world. Well, imagine you're raising your kid where there is a system that's actually, as you begin to get into the spiritual roots of it, it's not from God. So who's it from? It's the knowledge of good and evil. It's there to, on the one hand, make it look like it's doing good, yet all the while struggling, hoping one day we'll have a breakthrough. Oh, you mean the breakthrough that Jesus already gave us? Okay, one day we'll try to have a new one of those without Jesus. But here's this system that makes it seem like it's doing good. So now I'm taught to raise my kids and shove them into the system. And maybe I don't even ever think about the fact this is one of the biggest killers in the nation. I just I just increased my kids' odds of dying by like 5% or something. Maybe my kids got a 1 in 20, 1 in 30, I don't know, whatever the statistic is, chance of being killed by the medical system, which is not genuinely there to help. And But because I've bought into that propaganda, I now take and I potentially introduce my children into that system, which may end up killing them at some point. And I never introduced them into the system of genuine health and healing in life because that's what wasn't poured upon me as a kid. It was just propaganda. Is this not propaganda designed to bring more people in to cause them harm at some point? I mean, imagine if you were the devil. Maybe don't imagine that too much, but and your goal was to, Chris, to trick Christians and trick people. What would you do? You could create a whole system that looks like it was there for the health and the healing of the body, 
it was based purely on people walking by sight that don't hear the voice of God and realize what they have in their salvation. And you make it match the knowledge of good and evil. And you can't just kill everybody in the system. There's got to be some seemingly good in it because if everybody's just getting killed, they're not going to go to it, you know, but you make it to where it at least looks like it has some good. And maybe it's just one out of 20 people that, that's getting killed off in it. Well, that's an opportunity for the devil to create an entire system that people flock to. They flock away. Even the ones that don't get killed in the system, even the ones that seem to get helped, they have still gone away from their God and away from their covenant with God and away from their Savior to find salvation elsewhere in a system built by the enemy. That doesn't sound like it's of God. But then comes the very practical dilemma that many people face. If you're like me and you were raised in this system, you were raised, the only thing you really knew was go to, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Well, what happens if you're starting to have this awakening and you're somewhere between, hey, the Lord really is a healer and that's true. How do I begin to walk in that reality? Yet what if I'm currently suffering from things? Well, this is where you've got to go to God. You've got to let God be your guide. I'm not your God. The doctor's not your God. And don't let him try to be. The government's not your God. God is your God. Go to him and talk to him. I believe there's grace to find freedom from the medical needs as you find healing through Jesus Christ. He'll teach you what simple childlike faith is. A lot of times, simple childlike faith comes from having our paradigms changed. From instead of believing, hey, here's modern medicine, plus here's what Jesus says, it may be that Jesus says, hey, just listen to my belief system for a little bit. Think my way for a little bit. And that's not saying that, you know, if you abandon ship on the way of thinking that says modern medicine and you only go Jesus Christ, that's not saying that you're completely prohibited from ever having your actions go back towards the modern medicine things, but it's at least completely committing yourself to Jesus Christ at some point. And as you completely commit yourself to your Savior for your salvation, you will tend to find a better salvation experience for your body. Well, that's it for today's episode. So this one is Doctors in the Bible. I hope this was an encouragement to you. And one of these episodes I'm going to do about healing where Jesus teaches, you know, who he's actually equipping but I would encourage you to look at that. Look at his commission in the Gospels. Look at where the gift of healing doesn't even necessarily exist yet in the Gospels. We don't see Jesus telling, oh, you're the special disciples with the gift. No, he sends the 12 out and the 72 out. And we see them healing the sick with no special Holy Spirit gift. They hadn't even received the Holy Spirit yet. If they were able to heal without the Holy Spirit, you can heal with the Holy Spirit. Anyways, I hope that's some encouragement for you. Blessings. We'll see you next episode.